0: God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on My Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Relevant Community Church. Here's Pastor Ronnie Rothie from Relevant. I want you to think about a couple people you really respect. Just role models or kind of heroes. A couple people you really respect. Get a couple of those people in your mind. All right, now I want you to think about a few people that you don't respect. You've never had respect for them, maybe used to have respect for them, but you don't have respect for them any longer. Who, get, get a couple of those people in your mind. All right. Now, what do all those people, both people that you respect greatly and people that you don't respect, either because you never have or you lost respect for them, what do all those people have in common? And some of you would go, well, nothing. They have no- <laughs> These two groups of people have nothing in common. And I would say I believe they definitely do. They definitely have something in common. And what they do centers around this word. The word is Integrity. People that we respect have maintained their integrity. People that we don't need, need uh, you know, they never, never had integrity or they had a failure of integrity. And a little bit later, I'm going to, you know, define this a little bit better. But I want to give you a definition of integrity. A little later, I'll give you a definition of integrity we'll use throughout the series. But I want to kind of tell you how, you know, we all kind of know what integrity is on a general level. Integrity is doing what is right because it's right. The people we respect, we respect people who do the right things just because it's the right thing to do. We respect them because they do what the right thing even when it, when it benefits them and when it doesn't benefit. When it costs them and when it doesn't cost them. We celebrate them as heroes, as, as role models. What people we don't respect all have in common is that they don't do what's right when it doesn't benefit them. They know it's right, but they chose chosen not to do it. And you lost respect for them because you expected them to do the right thing, but they didn't. And their lack of integrity hurt you and hurt the people around them in some way, and you just can't respect people like that. We'd all agree that integrity, it's, it's a really big deal. So we're starting a five-week series to talk about it. There's a couple interesting things about integrity that makes, well, it makes all of us hypocrites on some level. The, the first thing is integrity is a universal expectation. Meaning that we all expect integrity from others. We expect integrity from our leaders, pastors, teachers. We expect others to be people of integrity. We, we, whether we're people of integrity or not, we expect it from others. And if they have a failure of integrity, we lose respect for them. And it's almost impossible for them sometimes to even get it back Our eyes. Integrity is something we hold everyone accountable to, which leads to the second interesting thing. But we're quick to excuse our own lack of integrity. We won't excuse lack of integrity in others, but we're quick to look for excuses or to make excuses when it comes to our personal decisions. We expect everyone else to do what's right and not lie, not cheat, not steal. But if and when we do, we're quick to make excuses or lie and cover it up, and then we'll lie. About lying so people don't think we're liars, which is just crazy. There isn't one of us who hasn't had a failure of integrity, which, if you think about it, has caused integrity to be compromised in our marriages, companies, churches, our world. And the consequences of this, they're wreaking havoc because a failure of integrity always does You've probably heard the phrase structural integrity when it comes to buildings. This is the definition of structural integrity. Structural integrity is the the ability uh, of a structure to withstand its intended load without failing due to fracture or fatigue. Now, when the structural integrity of a building is compromised, the damage isn't just isolated to the compromised beam or column. When the structural integrity of a building is compromised, the entire building is effective and is in danger of collapsing. Well, the same is true for you. And the same is true for me. The consequences, both positive and negative consequences of integrity, they're never isolated. A failure of personal integrity doesn't just affect you or or, or how people view you. A failure of personal integrity impacts all the people around you. When there's a lack of integrity in them, in us, in you, the whole structure, the whole family, the whole company... The whole church, the whole relationship, the whole marriage is compromised and can easily come crashing down. But when they, when us, when you maintain integrity, it has significantly positive impacts on the people around you. And this is, this is so important as, as, as we kick off the series. As integrity goes, so goes everything. As your integrity goes, so goes the health and strength of your family, your relationships, your marriage, your company, your team, your future. Your reputation, your, rep, your, your integrity is a really big deal, not just for you, but for everyone around you, which is why we're going to be talking about it for the next few weeks. Now, I want to, talk, I want to kick off this series talking about what integrity starts with. And here, I really do believe this. Integrity, doing what's right, just because it's, it's right, begins with an ought to. Now, we've all felt like we ought to do something before. We've all felt an internal like conviction, an internal prompting, an internal stirring that there's something we ought to do. And at times it just absolutely comes out of nowhere. You're driving along and all of a sudden you think, man, I ought to call them or stop here or go see them. Other times it happens when we see or hear about an opportunity and you feel that internally like, oh, I feel like I ought to do that or sign up for that or engage in that. Sometimes when we're listening to a sermon or reading a book or talking to someone, we feel like, ah, that internal, like, I ought to take that next step. Or I ought to stop doing this or start doing that. And if you look, if you take the time to think about it, you'll discover you have felt this numerous times, sometimes numerous times daily. These feelings of ought to, they're inescapable, hence the reason for the name of this series. The question is, where do those ought come from, and what do they tell us about ourselves, and what do they tell us about God? Some of you going, whoa, 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 wait a second. What does God have to do with this? Well, everything, according to Jesus. We're going to quickly look at some words uh, that Jesus said in, in John 16, but before we go there, let me just say what well, we're going to talk about next, and we're going to look at it next for some of you who would say, man, I'm not a follower of Christ, and I'm kind of skeptical of all this Bible and Jesus and church stuff. we're going to see Jesus say next, it's going to seem really weird and far-fetched for some of you. And if it's, it seems weird and far-fetched for you, going to say, I don't blame you because it is kind of weird. My, my thing for you is, is, is just really thinking about, is just because it's weird, does it make it untrue? If just because it's weird, does it make it untrue? And I would say, no, it, just because it's, Weird doesn't make it untrue. As we look at these words of Jesus, I would just encourage you, if you're kind of one of those people that's like, this is so weird, it just, just to ask the question, like, if this is true, what does that mean? Because I believe if the words that we discover in Jesus' saying are true, it points to a God who loves you. Now, many of us have heard of what we commonly refer to as the Last Supper. This was the final meal Jesus had with his 12 disciples the night he was unjustly arrested and ultimately crucified the next day. Well, for three years leading up to this, you know, Last Supper, Jesus had told his disciples repeatedly, over and over again, that he was going to die, but not to fret. He would rise three days later, and then afterwards, he would physically return to his Father in heaven. And his disciples didn't understand him, and they didn't believe him, just like you and I wouldn't have understood him or believed him. And then we get to this final meal. And in the middle of this final meal with his 12 disciples, he said this, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Now these guys had physically walked with Jesus, had physically walked with the Son of God the past three years. And they did not believe it would be better for Jesus not to physically be with them going forward. And you and I wouldn't have had to believe that either. See, we assume it would be better. We assume it would be easier to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus, if he was physically here on earth. But that's not true according to Jesus. Well, why is it better? Well, here's why. Unless I go away, the advocate, and by the way, the Greek word, and, and Greek, by the way, is the original language that the New Testament was written in. The Greek word translated into English as advocate here can also be translated helper or counselor. The, the advocate. The helper, the counselor will not, come, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the advocate that Jesus is referring to is who he talked about earlier in the dinner when they were sitting down, and it wasn't a person. See, the advocate that Jesus is referring to that he talked about earlier in the dinner is the spirit of God. His spirit, which we now refer to as the Holy Spirit. Jesus is repeating something here that he promised earlier around the dinner table, that he was going to send his Holy Spirit to fill them. Now, this promise from Jesus was not just for them. It's a promise for all of us as well. According to the writers of the New Testament, after we put our faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives, God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, takes residence Within us. I told you. It's a little bit weird, right? Well, according to Jesus, his spirit within them, his spirit within us is better than him physically being on this earth. And it's better because if he were to remain physically on this earth, he can only continue to be in one place at a time. But by him physically leaving, he was able to send his spirit to be everywhere with everyone at once all the time. And that's better. That's better. That's better because of what he was sending his spirit to do. Jesus continues, "When he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove or he will convict, same word. He will prove the world and the disciples right here are going, "Hey Jesus, I thought you would say it'd be better for us. Why are you talking about the rest of the world?" And Jesus goes. going, I'm going to get to you guys in a second. But I'm not just sending my spirit for you. Remember, I told you repeatedly over the last three years that God so loved the world. He sent me on a mission into this world to seek and save those who are lost. Those who have a broken relationship with Holy Creator God because of their violation of sin against him. And I am sending my spirit to carry on that mission in the world. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about. He will convict the world about First, sin. He will convict people they are wrong about holy creator God and what is actually breaking relationship with him. And secondly, righteousness. He he will convict people they are wrong about what is right according to God. And third, judgment. He will convict people they are wrong about judging what is right. Versus what is wrong, and what is truth, and what is lies. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can no longer see me. And about judgment, because the prince of this world, referring to Satan right there, now stands condemned. See, I think the bottom line of what Jesus is communicating right here is one of the primary reasons, he's saying one of the primary reasons I am sending my spirit is to lead people who have a broken relationship with holy creator God to God. To lead lead people who have a broken relationship with their heavenly father because of their violation of sin against him to their heavenly father. And man, how cool is that? For those of you who aren't followers of Christ, this is so cool because it shows how much God loves you. One of the reasons that Jesus sent his spirit was to lead you to him because he loves you. And one of the ways the Holy Spirit works to do that is through conviction, through (sighs) ought to. Now, I don't know how to clearly explain this, but... I'm going to try my absolute best. As I said before, integrity is a universal expectation and it's something we hold everyone else accountable to. Why? Here's why. There is an ought to that stands outside of you and over you that didn't originate with you. There's an ought to that stands outside of you, but you feel in you that makes you believe lying is wrong. This is so important. If there is no ought to and ought not to that stands outside of us, and hold sway over us, then there are no universal right or wrongs. Right and wrong is simply, and just and unjust are simply determined by personal preference. What makes, And the question is, what makes your preference right and their preference wrong? Here's, here's the point of all this. The moment we acknowledge a universal ought to that everyone is accountable to, we acknowledge the divine. We acknowledge God. If there is no divine lawgiver If there is no divine ought to giver, we can't hold people accountable to what we feel they ought to do because it's just personal conviction. It's just personal preference. And what makes you right and them wrong? Well, you go, well, I don't believe in God. Well, you may not believe in God, but you believe in some universal ought to's that you also believe everyone should be held accountable to. Or are those universal ought to's in all of us by chance? Or do they point to someone bigger than you and me? According to Jesus, as soon as you feel an ought to that's over you and over everyone else, you've encountered the divine. You've encountered the spirit. You've encountered a God who is for you. You've encountered a God who loves you. You've encountered a God who wants the best for you and your family and your kids and your marriage and your relationships and everybody around you. You've encountered a God who is trying to lead you to himself. Jesus goes on. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. And the disciples are going, Jesus, don't stop now. You said you're the, sending the Holy Spirit was going to benefit us, but you haven't talked about us at all. Like, Jesus, when are you going to get around to how this benefits us? And I imagine Jesus is looking at these guys going, You guys are killing me here. Like, you seriously, after all this time, you didn't think I was going to get around to you? Okay, here we go. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, and I love how Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth here, and I believe he did because of what he was sending his spirit to do in his followers and those of us who have put our faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and leader of our life. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, into all that is right and true according to God, into all that's right and true for you in this situation As you navigate the lies of this world, in your marriage, as you're making decisions, in the midst of your temptations, with opportunities that present themselves. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He's saying, you can be assured that he will speak only what he hears. Only what he hears from me, Jesus would say, as the leader of your life. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus is going, I know what's best for you now. I know what's best for you in the future. I have the full picture, and I'm sending my spirit to lead you and guide you into that. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. According to the writers of Scripture, our created, our created purpose is to glorify God and everything and all that we do. And Jesus sent his spirit to lead us and to guide us into that. Which is so awesome because if, it's, if it glorifies God, it's best for us. Jesus finished and says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I, that, that is why I said the spirit uh, will receive for me what he will make known to you. And some of you are going, well, this is all good. And this is all great. And yeah, I believe in God. And I put my faith in Jesus. But I've never been guided into what's right, and to what's true by the Holy Spirit. He's never told me what's yet to come. He hasn't made anything known to me. And if you're thinking that, or if you've ever thought that, my answer to you would be, yes, he has. Numerous times. And here's how he's done it. Here's how he does it most most often. He's done it through the internal convictions and promptings and stirrings And feelings of I ought to that don't seem to be of yourself. More times than not, that feeling of I just should, I ought to is the Holy Spirit prompting you, guiding you, and leading you. The big idea I hope you take away from Jesus' words here in John 16 are this. The feeling of ought to points to someone outside of you who is working in you to lead you. The moment you feel like you ought to do something, I ought to, you have encountered the divine. You have encountered the God who loves you. You have encountered the Holy Spirit. Now, what does all this have to do with integrity? It has everything to do with integrity. I said earlier that integrity is doing what's right just because it's right. But for those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ... For those of us who said, I have put my faith in Jesus, I've asked him to be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life, it's even more than that. Here's the definition of integrity for those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ that I'm going to use throughout this series. Integrity is doing what you ought to, even when it costs you. Listen, follow me here. We claim that we trust God. We claim that we follow Jesus. We discovered just a little bit ago. Jesus, through his through his Spirit, is going to lead you through internal convictions and promptings and stirrings of "I ought to" that don't seem to be of yourselves. And in the in those moments, He's inviting you to follow Me. He's inviting you to trust Me. And many times, doing so will cost you. It may cost you comfort, convenience, time, energy, immediate gratification. Money, reputation, positions, promotions, which is why we so often dismiss it. You guys, this is so important. We follow Jesus. You know how we follow Jesus? We don't follow Jesus with our words. We don't follow Jesus with our intentions. We don't follow Jesus with our prayers. We don't follow Jesus with our doctrine. We don't follow Jesus with our beliefs. We follow Jesus with our feet. And we say we're followers of Christ. Being a person of integrity is the resolve and the courage to do the right thing you feel and know you ought to do, especially when it costs you because we're followers of Christ. The feeling of ought to costing you is sooner or later inescapable. It's in those moments we prove if we're really people of integrity or not because integrity is doing what you ought to, even if it costs you. And as I said before, our integrity, my integrity, your integrity impacts you and the people around you more than you can possibly imagine. King Solomon, who was an Israelite king, lived about a 1,000 years or so before Jesus and was recognized as the wisest person to have ever lived up to that point in time, said it this way in Proverbs 11. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Next week, we're gonna look a lot at this verse, but wanted to just introduce it this week. Solomon is basically saying what we discovered earlier, that as integrity goes, so goes everything. As your integrity goes, so goes your reputation, so goes the level of respect people have for you, and some of you have, have had respect from those closest to us destroyed because of our lack of integrity, but it's even bigger than that for you. As your integrity goes, so goes, does you, so goes uh, you being filled with the Holy Spirit or not. See, as followers of Christ, we talked about being filled with the Spirit all the time. And what we mean is that, oh, I'd love to be filled with the fullness of God's spirit, to feel his presence, to hear his voice clearly, to to be guided by him, to be filled with his power and to be filled with his strength and be filled with his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, let me ask you, how the heck do you think that happens? You think it happens because we have good songs that we sing together on Sunday mornings? We feel his presence? You think it happens through prayer? You think it happens by reading the Bible? All those things are great. But that is not the determining factor. It happens by actively following Jesus. And this is so important. If you hear nothing else I say, hear this. When we ignore the promptings and the leadings and the stirrings and the ought-tos of the Holy Spirit, we ignore the Holy Spirit. And it prevents us from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of us have had our faith and our trust in God destroyed completely because of our lack of integrity. We chose to stop following. And by the way, you always choose to stop following before you stop believing. We chose to stop following by ignoring the Holy Spirit and therefore stopped experiencing the presence of God in our lives. Your integrity or your lack of integrity, integrity, it impacts you significantly. But your integrity or lack of integrity is not just isolated to you. It impacts everybody around you as well. As your integrity goes, so goes the health and strength of your family, your relationships, your marriage, your company, the team that you're on. People not doing what they ought to do is the thing that has destroyed so many marriages so many families, so many companies, so many churches, so many governments, so many communities, and you know that to be true. You don't need the Bible to know that to be true. And I want to share a couple of personal stories, both on a positive side and a negative side, where I've seen this in my own life. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. I'm going to be authentic here. I'm just going to be real here. I don't have perfect integrity, in case you didn't know that. Uh, it's still a, a transforming work that God's doing in my life that I'm trying to live with and do what I ought to do, even if it costs me. Six years ago, I... Uh, At Relevant, we did this two-year generosity initiative called 212, and the funds, some of the funds from that generosity initiative helped actually build the building that you're sitting in right now, the Relevant Center. Well, essentially, the two-year generosity initiative was we started and we just asked everyone who's a part of Relevant to turn up the heat of their generosity for the next two years, to give sacrificially and generously in a way they've never given before over the next two years. Well, I knew if I was going to ask our church to do that, that Christy and I, we had to lead the way. And so at the beginning of that two-year generosity, man, we prayed hard, God, what would you have us do in regards to our generosity over the next two years? And he led us to a number that we feel like we ought to do over the next two years, and it was super sacrificial, and I was just like, ugh, but we both felt like we ought to do that, so we did. Now, fast forward one year later. One year later, we're at the half-year mark of of 212, and we are way behind on what's needed to come in uh, for this two-year generosity initiative, and if all doesn't come in, we don't build this building. And as I'm praying about this, I'm at the one year mark and I'm like getting stressed out and like, God, I felt like you leading us into this. Like, what it, what's going on? Like, and I'm praying for our church. God, what would you have our church do? And then all of a sudden on my mind, this is what enters I ought not to take a paycheck for the next two months. That enters my mind out of nowhere. And I'm like, no, mm mm, that's a terrible idea. And there's no way that's from God. He would never lead me to sacrifice something. And I wanted to dismiss it because we'd already made a huge financial commitment and sacrifice. And now, I felt like I ought not to take a salary for two months. I shared it with Christy, and she wanted to dismiss it too because it just would cost us so much financially. But we felt like this was something we ought to do, and so we did it. Now, you know whenever a pastor talks about money, all of a sudden people start questioning that pastor's integrity. They just want my money. And during that first year of 212, a lot of people questioned my integrity, that that's what I was after somehow that I was just trying to get people's money for me somehow to evidently get a helicopter or something. I have no idea what I was going to use this for me for. But I felt like I was supposed to share this with our church, and I wasn't going to be taking a salary for the next two months, and so I did. I shared it. And uh, let me tell you, after I shared that, no one very well, some people always do, very few people question my integrity from that point forward. Now, a very interesting thing happened. <laughs> really interesting thing happened uh, over the next year. Our church started to give in unprecedented ways over the next year to the point that when we ended our two-year generosity initiative, we had two million more dollars come in than we had committed to have come in. Now, did that have anything to do with what I felt like I ought to do? I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is that maintaining my integrity, doing what I feel like God was leading me to do that I ought to do, positively impacted our church. Now a negative lack of integrity story. You've heard us talk about all the times that we are fanatics about impacting the next generation for Jesus. But doing everything we can to reach kids and students who don't know Jesus and inspiring and empowering them to take next steps to follow Jesus. And I say as a lead pastor, I am committed to that at all costs. And I will make whatever decisions we need to make to lead us into that. And I've tried to do that over the years. Well, some years ago, we had our, our high school ministry leader. I felt like I ought to let him go. I ought to fire him. And I didn't. And I didn't because of what I felt like it was going to cost in order to do it. We'd had youth pastors come and go before, and when you see youth pastors come and go, it really can hurt the ministry a lot. You know, people who like this person, are they going to leave with him? They, you know, and just, I was, I just, and so I said, instead of letting him go, here's what I'll do. I'll coach him up. I'll coach him up. I can, I can coach him up through this. Well, here's what happened after that. Uh, people who were close to the situation started to question my integrity. Say, Ronnie, you said that we're fanatics about impacting the next generation and you're willing to do anything and we don't feel like you are willing to do anything because this is not the right leader. And they started to question my integrity as the leader of Relevant who could lead us forward. And the other probably more significant thing that happened is the ministry just started falling apart. And students left and leaders left and volunteers left. So finally, a year later, I did what I felt like I ought to do a year earlier. And I learned some valuable lessons through that. The first lesson I learned was ought to impacts so many more people than myself. And the second lesson I learned is ought to may cost today, but it's worth it every single time. My integrity is a really big deal. Your integrity is a really big deal, not just for you, but for everyone around you, which is why we're going to take the next few weeks to talk about it. My hope is, you, is over the next five weeks, you remember the ought to and you choose to do it immediately. Ah, oh, I felt that ought to. I, uh, I'm going to go do it right now. Over the next five weeks, if you choose to do that, if you choose to do that, your life is going to be changed because you're going to start experiencing God in a new way and you're going to be more transformed into who God created you to be a person of integrity. Take some time this week to reflect on the following questions. Here's the first question What have you recently felt like you ought to do but haven't done? You ought to do sexually, financially, in your marriage, with that relationship, with your current living situation. You felt like I ought to, but you haven't done. Second, why haven't you? Why did you dismiss it? What was the cost that stopped you from doing it? Third question, what does that say about you and your integrity? Because by the way, it says something about you and your integrity. Fourth, what's potentially at stake if you don't take the next step to do what you ought to do? What's at stake for you? What's at stake potentially for the people around you? And then finally, what ought you do next? Your integrity is on the line. Jesus is leading, is leading you to be who, and, who you and I claim that we are, followers of him. The feeling of ought to points to someone outside of you who is working in you to lead you. So follow him. It may cost you, but it's worth it because following Jesus is what's best for you and for the people around you. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Ronnie Rothie from Relevant Community Church. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.